Welcome into a very special edition of Cyberly. We are on the road. We are in Rogers, Arkansas for FreightWaves, Future of Supply Chain. I am your host, Blythe Brumley, but we got a very special guest for you today, founder and CEO of FreightWaves, Craig Fuller. Welcome to the show. Welcome I'm to I'm excited. To be, it's my first time on. Yes. It took me a long so. time to gather up the courage to ask you, but I figured why not shoot my shot at the first conference since 2019? You know, it, uh, I'm honored to be here. And honored to be closing out the show with you. Thank so. you so much. Well, I mean, speaking of which, we are on day two of the future of supply chain. A lot of things have been going on in the world of supply chain. But what technology, I guess, have you seen from this event that is, really seems promising to you? I think, you know, what's interesting is technology is so much about the people driving it. And I have seen some amazing founders. I've seen some amazing incumbents that have been large, run large businesses that are coming together to solve real problems. And I would say the difference between today and what we've seen in the past is it's the first time I've seen a desire and an openness of companies that would normally compete mm. to actively seek out each other for partnerships. So it's interesting because I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that that human connection is largely important. So in some ways, the innovation that we're getting today over the last two days has been the back to the basics of human connection, where it's not just about technology, but it's about how do we as humans solve problems that we all face. The technology in some ways is just an after sort of effect or somehow driving that, but it's really the human connection that matters. So it's really about relationship logistics is, is what right. I'm hearing a lot. That's right. But you have, you know, it's interesting because you have companies that actively are competitors and you can clearly look at them on a piece of paper and say, okay, these two companies naturally compete. But the reality is that we're, we've reached a point where technology is not the be all end all in logistics. And we're still at a point where human elements, the human elements really important. And we're sort of reminded of that in, in sort of the COVID world. We're tired of Zoom. <laughs> like, we're tired of sitting and relying upon technology for all our human connection. But there's something magical about getting back together and getting 1,500 people together in a room, talk about solving problems. That is what I'm most excited about. So the technology has been great. We've seen some awesome demos, some transformative stuff. But you know what? It was the human connection that really mattered. And that's what's really important. And, and the human element, that, that brings us to sort of like the present day of what has happened really over the last two years since the last time that FreightWaves has had a conference. It's really, it's since 2019. But over that time frame, there has been a lot of sort of mainstream attention brought to supply chain. They keep calling it the supply chain crisis. But I wonder, are we actually still in a crisis or is this just the natural supply chain sort of evolving as people evolve? So Blythe, you know the crazy thing? is that supply chains have always been under distress. Like, there have always been supply chain crises. There have always been problems. There have been terrorist attacks. There have been wars. There have been geopolitical events. There have been economic cycles. There have been hurricanes. There have been earthquakes. There have been all sorts of madness happening in the world. And we've always had to deal with them. But only the professionals in this space have actually had to care. Hmm. But because the market has become so stretched, because we essentially shut down the economy, the physical goods economy back in 2020. And it wasn't like you could turn it back on all at once because not everything came up at the same time. Things sort of broke and now everyone cares. Hmm. 
go back to 2019 and think about the amount of times that you heard the term supply chain outside of this very like small number of media outlets that cover it or influencers or people that are talking about it in the industry. No one cared, but now they all care. It's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. <laughs> Like, right? I mean, it, my family now knows what I do for a living. They, they have some kind of a concept now. And they ask about it, right? <laughs> like, do I need to worry about toilet paper or meat? Or, like, like they care about it. And I think that's a, that is an evolution in itself. My grandma asked me at, a, at her birthday party recently, she said, how do we fix the ports? And I said, how much time do you have? Exactly. Like, they, but everyone wants it fixed, but it was always broken. And no one realized it. And... No one cared, and now everyone cares. But the problem is these solutions that are going to fix these big problems cannot be fixed overnight, and they take a lot of cooperation and coordination, and they take a lot of capital. And I think the good news is we're all aware we have these problems. The bad news is they're not overnight fixes. And it's not, fixing these problems is not a two-day shipping time frame. No, it's, <laughs> we're talking decades of neglect mm. in infrastructure, decades of neglect in capital. We're talking about geopolitical events where we have Putin that decided he didn't want to adhere to international norms or estimated that he didn't have to. We have, we have a, one of the world's, or the world's second most powerful economy and arguably, when we talk supply chains, the world's most powerful economy that says, screw it, I'm not going to live inside a free market system anymore. I'm going to attack the very system that has enabled me to prosper. <laughs> the, it's a whole new world. Like I, Everyone asks me, when we talk about supply chain, when are we going back to normal? There is no normal. <laughs> like There is no normal. We're not going back to 2019. <laughs> We're done. Close that book. We now are living in a world fraught with friction. We're now living in a world with geopolitical tension. We're now living in a world where we have a country of 1.4 billion people, and we have a government that has completely shut it down, that is not operating under national norms, and everybody's supply chain is either directly or indirectly dependent upon it. We're going to have problems, and we're going to be in the industry here to fix it. Do a lot of those problems as they arise, is this the opportunity now for folks to fix a lot of these long-term issues that have affected, you know, say the driver retention or congestion at the ports? Do you see that influencing fixing a lot of these major issues or is it just going to kind of be the same old, same old? I think we have to decide what we can fix and what we can't fix quickly. So I think the things that we can fix are data integration of working together, those things we can fix. We can have shippers that say, I need to know where my product is, and I can go to transportation providers that can give me visibility. That's a development. That is in my hands. I can at least understand where my freight is and where my freight's not. That's a development that can be easily fixed. That is an easy fix if you have a motivated shipper. And if you're not motivated by now, what are you doing? <laughs> It's going like, to take an act of like, God that hasn't already happened It yet. is an act of God. <laughs> like, coronavirus was an act of God. War. Or an act is. of a lap. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> I'm serious. It's like we live in a world where we have pretended it's that, that it's okay. And we pretended that we could ignore these problems. And now we're having to face them because they're wreaking havoc on the economy. And if we don't face them, 
we're going to have much bigger issues because we no longer have buffer stock in all of the products that we depend on. So the technology that we can solve is available. It's there. We talk about visibility systems. We can bring, if I'm a shipper and I'm worried about where my products are, I can actually work with vendors and suppliers that can provide me that information. And so you, you mentioned, you know, sharing inf of information, the collection of data, you, you know, Sonar is a brilliant platform in order to collect a lot of that data and, and put it into systems of where you can analyze it, folks like yourself. And you have done a fantastic job of taking that data from Sonar and sharing it out on Twitter, social media to see what you're seeing. When you're in Sonar, are you looking for specific data points or are you letting the data tell you the story? I think both. I mean, I, I think I'm going in looking at sort of the key indicators of what's happening. So for me, it's volume, tender rejections that show me capacity, rates. And I, obviously, that is what I'm start, where I start, was trying to answer questions about what's happening. And I have very specific things I'm looking for. And then that's just the start of the journey. The rest of it is understanding, well, what are the things that are sort of developing on the background? So I think the answer is that it is these tools and resources, whether it's data intelligence, visibility, are available for folks that want to actually utilize them and adopt them. And they give the ability for the user to control the things that they can. And like we talk about port issues as if all of a sudden we can turn the port into a 24 seven, 365 operation because the president says we can. Like, okay, that's great that we've said that, but who's gonna staff it? Who's gonna open up the warehouses? Who's gonna hire the truckers? Who's gonna change the ordinances in Southern California to say that trucks can go in and out at night? Until that happens, you can talk about opening up a port 24 seven, it's not gonna matter. So we talk too much about things we can't fix. You can't fix the port. You can't fix driver retention overnight. It's a, it's a tough like quality of life problem. But you can fix knowing where your freight's at, right? And communicating that information exactly. to your customers and, and using that kind of data and insight, which I think you know, on, on Twitter has become such a pivotal platform to share that kind of insight where it's a little bit less stuffy than like the LinkedIn crowd versus the Twitter Dude, crowd. LinkedIn is a joke. <laughs> It's the worst platform <laughs> in existence when it comes to social media. And it's gotten worse since Microsoft bought it. Like, why did you spend all that money to buy a program, a platform, and make it worse, Microsoft? <laughs> How would you fix LinkedIn? I don't know. I don't know. It's not my problem. And I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not buying it. But here's the thing is, like, LinkedIn sucks. <laughs> like, if that's the best we could do, we're in trouble. <laughs> Twitter's awesome. Yeah. Twitter has but LinkedIn been. is horrible. <laughs> So you know how many you're not a fan of LinkedIn. Yeah, say, I'm not done with LinkedIn. <laughs> no, I absolutely do. hate LinkedIn. It is a joke. Like, no DMs. The bots are a problem. It's too. a bot. You know how many I had to like shut my account down because I was getting so much spam from these people that don't even like how many staffing agencies, how many computer consulting firms do I need to hire? How many like it's just a joke. Web development. Don't you need app Web help? development like in Ukraine? <laughs> no, I'm the, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Like Poland? <laughs> Somewhere in Eastern Europe. <laughs> where? I would have said Ukraine. It would probably get a little But like LinkedIn's a joke. So I, that, that's, I feel like that is where, but on Twitter is where your Twitter's messaging, great. that's where it really. Twitter's unfiltered. Yes. Twitter is awesome. Twitter gives you, it's 100 or 240 characters. You can have quick thoughts. And, and Twitter is about engagement of content, whereas LinkedIn is about 
who you work for and what companies you work for. And so a lot of it is a hierarchical, like if, if you work at a big company and you talk, you, you get higher ranked in LinkedIn. That's just the way the algo works mm. because you're connected to more people at your company. And Twitter, it is a, the ability for someone to make, to create a thought that other people are engaged with. That's why Twitter is the more powerful platform. And then Facebook is horrible too. Yeah, nobody uses Facebook anymore except for grandparents. I, like Facebook has gone, ever since they sold out to, to Cambridge Analytica, and the Russians took over the platform. <laughs> chaos. <laughs> like, Facebook's gone downhill. I'm dead serious. I'm laughing. No, it's, it's, really it's, no it's absolutely true. You can't even log in. Because you know the problem? Because we're, we, write, we write content that has, like, controversial topics, like ships that get stuck in canals. Apparently, they're afraid that, you know, we may not be using that for legitimate reasons. And so anytime I log into Facebook, I have to do dual factor authentication. So I have to log in and then I have to go into an app and then I have to get a, uh, like, a like a code on my Oh, the two-factor authentication. It's ridiculous. So it's I don't get too into much. it. So they, no, Facebook's, but I, I never thought Facebook was a great business platform anyways. No. Twitter is magical. Like Twitter is the greatest platform that, you know what's great about Twitter is that you can connect with people that are among the most thoughtful and powerful business leaders and have nothing more than just an original thought to offer them. And, and you can connect with them. It is the most underrated platform in terms of engagement that everyone should be taking advantage of. And if you are a thought leader and you're not taking advantage of Twitter, if you're concerned about building a brand and you're not taking advantage of Twitter, you're missing out on the most powerful opportunity. Too many people in our space use LinkedIn. LinkedIn sucks. The reason LinkedIn <laughs> sucks is because it matters what company you work for. But Twitter is awesome. Now, as we're kind of talking about, you know, sort of social media in general. Now, when it comes to social media, a lot of people, it feels it, it feels like doom and gloom. And I, I think that I was listening to an interview. Well, a, a lot of social media sort of promote. Facebook is a perfect example of promoting sort of posts that make you angry. Well, it's because to- anger, we're evolutionary predisposed to be scared of things that are going to kill us. Right. Right. Like, you know, that's why we wake up at night when we hear some like really soft sound or something like, you know, the wood creaks because the house expands. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, uh, like, but I, like, I kind of know. That, where... Like popping sound in the house at night. Yes. Because I live in a, like a historic home. So, so yeah, that it is, always makes that noise. That is nothing more than just air in, inside the wood or in between the wood that is causing that popping sound. So you hear that noise and you're asleep. That noise because you're you're like okay is there like a, a lion here to eat me type stuff I'm serious <laughs> well it's, no that's also um th- that's also why you remember the negative when you create content online you're, they you're told sp- you don't remember the bad comments and you don't you, read the comments but if you see them that's why you remember them so much more than because you're 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 built the whole thing about like social media particularly Facebook is you're built to live on fear which has made it an incredibly powerful platform for political. Abstinence. Well, well, speaking of which, because I, when you were talking about sort of, I guess, the American ecosystem of, of media right now feels very doom and gloom. But on a podcast episode, you were actually talking about how America is really set up supply chain right, wise for the I'm future. Done my rant of like, oh, that was, that was a mistake. Okay, but no, 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 that's good. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. Like, I am the most bullish or one of those bullish people in America. And it's fundamentally because. I think we've entered the world where it's no longer about free trade. It's about freedom trade. Hmm. And freedom trade is about c- doing business with countries that operate inside the capitalist system that's developed on the thought that you're going to trade freely with other countries. 
And so we have this concept of free trade with China. It never existed. It was that we allowed them to sell their products to us, but we couldn't sell our products in there uh, without the communist government's approval or their endorsement, whether officially or unofficially. That isn't free trade. So we're now entering a situation where we realize that the Chinese don't have to conform to that are not conforming to Western norms. And I think if you're running a supply chain, you have to ask yourself, why do you source in China? If the government is willing to shut down its most powerful city, this would be the equivalent of shutting down New York City we're in the, for two months now of shutting the entire city off and barricading people's, people in their homes and saying you cannot leave your homes. And you know what they did today is now they've eliminated grocery delivery. In Shanghai, they have said you are no longer allowed to get grocery delivered to your house because it's spreading COVID. That would be the equivalent. These people are going to starve. It's ridiculous. And the government has allowed it to happen. I don't understand why they've allowed I don't some think of these things do. to happen. I don't think people, many people do. And I, I saw recently that they started barricading streets. So now you can only drive up and down streets. You can't walk anymore. They, they put You can't go inside because up. they want to restrict. And there's like, that's a, there's a whole different conversation about why the Chinese doing it but it's it's for nefarious purposes we don't know why like, there's a lot of theory about it but it is certainly not on the up and up and it's not covid you're going to tell me they went through for two years and didn't have a single fatality according to chinese state media but all of a sudden have had to spread because of omicron that's ridiculous but it ultimately all the bad decisions that they're making means good things for the u.s and well, the future I, of the I, u.s I, let's, let's just be careful to say good things hmm. what it means is that if you think about, as an American, all the benefits that we are afforded because of our geography, because of the fact that we have bodies of water that effectively create an island from any force that could come over to kill us or, or create war battle. Like, our two neighbors are Canada, which is pretty docile. Like, <laughs> if you've seen Canadian Bacon, a great yeah. movie, by the way, right? No, I, I mean, I know. You haven't, of, you haven't seen I, it? No, I haven't. But. Okay, it's like Canada and the United States got a war. It's like, it's a classic <laughs> movie uh, to watch. It's all Canadian actors, by the way. But, but like, that is our neighbor in Canada. Then Mexico, like, there is no threat. And so we benefit from having the stability of waters that surround us. And then when it comes to geography, you think about the things you need to live. You need energy and you need food. Beyond that, it's nice to have manufactured products, but you need energy and food. And what do we have in abundance in the United States? We have energy and food. We are blessed in North America to have the ability, if we want it, to be energy independent. We are blessed. We produce 35% more food in the United States than we consume. So we export to the world. This is our moment. We have spent the last 75 years worried about protecting the world. And over the last 20 years, we've become much more insular focused. But we also, as Americans, sort of have this self-loathing of our own country. We have a moment to step up. We've let these other countries that, don't, that are not willing to change the way they operate to Western norms to, to really, truly develop free trade and open markets. And we've let them take substantial amount of... You think about who benefited from American power more in the past 75 years or the past 40, 30 years, it was the Chinese. They are the biggest beneficiaries of the American century. Not American. It's the Chinese. Mm -hmm. And for that, as they've risen and become more powerful, they've become more obstinate. And they've actually gone from 
freer markets to less free markets. They become more oppressive as they become more powerful. We have a chance as Americans to take a lot of that power and manufacturing back. And if you're a supply chain manager and you're looking at it and saying, I can't move my production back to the United States because of regulations or cost of labor or cost of production, I can move it to Mexico, which is cheaper to produce on an hourly basis than, than China. I can move it to Vietnam, which has already been a big winner. I can move it to India. I can move it to places that operate under a concept of freedom and are really, truly working inside of Western capitalistic norms. And I'm bullish about that. And I'm bullish about America because we have the ability to continue to be the world's superpower to protect trade lanes. And our US dollar, like if you look at all of the sort of concept of are we going to lose the power because we've cut Russia off, the US dollar is now the strong, is continues to be the strongest currency in the world, even more so than it was two months ago. I think it's an important message that that you're sharing because a lot of people are sort of doom and gloom on America. But if you look no, at the right America, side of this things- is our century. <laughs> it was our last century and it's going to be our century again. I like you don't want to, like Europe is too fragmented. They don't have resources. They, they ended up using all of their resources over the last couple, you know, thousand centuries. And America had, we're abundant resources. We have abundant ambition. We have abundant innovation. Look around here. There's so much innovation happening. And it's because of America. And I'm serious. You go to Europe, they aren't creating the world's most powerful companies in terms of innovation. Even in China, which is built on a rote learning system, most of the technology that they've developed has been stolen technology mm -hmm. or has been copied technology. It has not been innovations. Those innovations are taking place in America. And the stuff that this independence, this sort of, the stuff that we love to hate about ourselves is that we're dysfunctional and we're sort of independent free thinkers and sort of nuts at times is the very thing that creates innovations. Well said. Very well said. Uh, our Freight Waves TV stage is brought to you by Transcard and MasterCard, bringing together Freight X. Now, you mentioned before we got Probably started. Probably not anymore. <laughs> eyeballs. It all, it all matters about eyeballs. Now, you had mentioned before, <laughs> before we got started that you wanted to interview me. So I guess yeah, I ask a question if you yeah, want. Yeah, I went on my rant, <laughs> pro-America rant. I need to like plant a flag. No, I, I thought it was great because you don't hear those kind of conversations a lot. And I, I think you need to hear more of them because anybody who's traveled outside of the U.S., you know how great you have it. Simple things like toilet paper and plumbing and air conditioning are and readily McDonald's. available. And yes. McDonald's. And I tell you, like, I'm serious. Think of the greatest in terms of human hunger. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. Like, think of like the McDonald's is an innovation. Like the amount of calories you get for like two bucks, or five bucks. It's great. It's, I mean, it's a, as far American as like diet, yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of countries that are like, lining up like out the door when they get a McDonald's in their country. Processed food is a great, I'm serious. You think I'm serious? It extends the shelf life of food, helps food we, travel farther. Like, you, those McDonald's nuggets can live on <laughs> Have Able. you ever seen the photo of like the fries like 60 years later? Yeah, I have in the hamburger that's like yeah. in 1962. And it kind of looks like it was made yesterday. Yeah, which is really <laughs> concerning. But, but it's so good. So what can you do? All right. We got a couple minutes left, Craig. Any, any... Okay, I'm going to have you. Let's okay. talk about what did you think? What were you most excited about here? The most excited is really honestly meeting the Freight Waves employees. I feel I've been working with you guys for a year and a half. and have you not over met Zoom? any of these 
find I met Grace once prior, but this has been like my first opportunity to meet everybody in person. So that, you know, not to, I guess, sort of brown nose, but yeah, that's exactly. I don't think you're brown nose and you're like sincere, like human connection. That's the innovation of 2022. And you can feel it. Like I sort of like the shift is, is, you know, purchasing power and things like that are going from, you know, commodities to, to more services and more experiences. This is an experience where people are paying good money for, and they're spending their time and attention for. I think it's, I mean, it's pretty remarkable, like to get 1500 people to come back. And you know, what's amazing is about 60% of the people here had never been to one of our (laughs) events. It's a whole new, like, What's amazing is look out there and a lot of these are new faces. A lot of them are turning, but a lot of them are new faces. And they've joined our industry in the last two years. And why they've joined our industry? Because this is where the action happens. Like you think we're solving real world problems. We are the industry that's going to have to bring manufacturing back to other parts of the world. Because if we don't, products won't move. Supply chains will die. We'll all run out of food. We'll all run out of energy. Our industry is solving those real-world problems. And that's a lot more innovative than giving away free stock trades. Like, we're solving real-world problems. It's pretty powerful. And these, all of these people have just joined the industry, and they're new to it. And a platform like FreightWaves brings that kind of news to them on the regular basis. Uh, Craig, thank you for your time. Where can folks follow more of your work if they already aren't following I'm you? I'm at Freight Alley on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, If you not send me LinkedIn. a message on LinkedIn, I don't block because I don't check it. You're going to get it's blocked. Really, yeah. <laughs> Twitter is the way to go. So. Thank you for your time, Craig. Tune in to more episodes of Cyberly every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on FreightWaves TV.